Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. Healing may not be so much about getting better as about letting go of everything that isn't you, all of the expectations, all of the beliefs, and becoming who you are. Rachel Naomi Remen. Allow things to unfold. 798 steps per day has been my average step count in the last two weeks. It's a legitimate total, not shortchanged from losing my watch or some random tech malfunction. I'm used to having 798 steps before 5 a.m. That was before I broke my ankle, before ankle surgery, before learning that it will be two to three months before I can run again. If you've been following along with my Big Fresh essays and listening to the podcast, then you know I've been developing the identity of being a runner. It's been hard to accept the reality that I'm not progressing toward my goal of being a runner. Yet, as an eternal optimist, I'm sure that things are going to be better tomorrow. I just know that I can use positive thinking to return to normal. And each day I find myself confined to elevating and icing my ankle because this is the speediest way to heal. I have a lot to learn about embracing rest and allowing the healing process to unfold naturally. There are some things you cannot force. You can only create conditions that allow it to unfold. Forming a reading identity is one of these things. I am excited about this week's collection of articles because they will help create conditions needed for students to grow as readers. Melissa Quimby shares an article that helps her students get to the heart of their own identities as readers. They creatively name the kinds of readers they are. Featured contributor Mandy Robeck offers ways to revamp your classroom library to energize readers. Christy Rush-Levine explains special shelves in her classroom library to snag graphic novel, poetry, or nonfiction readers. Having plenty of time to think since I'm not stacking steps has me lingering in this week's collection. I've always been a reader, and as I think more deeply about my reading identity, I'm a reader who loves an underdog story. Give me a storyline where someone overcomes, and you'll have my attention every time. My name is Ruth Ayers, and I'm the editor at Choice Literacy. This week, I'm excited to share the Choice Literacy Book Club conversation about February's pick. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining our Choice Literacy Book Club tonight. We're talking about Unbound, the Life and Art of Judith Sat, written by Joyce with Bree Strangler and Melissa Sweet. Also, Melissa Sweet was the artist illustrator for this story. I was wondering what um, everyone thought about the title Unbound, either before you read it and then maybe during or after. That's such a good question, Mandy. I um, 
It's a good question. I don't know that I have spent a lot of time thinking about that, but when I first got the book, I, my question was, why would it be called Unbound? And then as I read it, I was so captivated into the story. I don't know that I really revisited it. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I would actually put some thought into and talk about with my students. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they say about, um, you know, the word unbound and, and the multiple meanings of that and how, how it relates to her art and how it relates to her life. Yeah, I thought it was a play on words. I wondered too on the front cover, just with that yarn, I think of unwound mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, but the C became a W there for unbound. Yeah, that's interesting. I like throughout the book too, there were like the first, um, I don't know what we want to call it, um, a subtitle, but like it was entwined. And so it kind of, fed on that, that idea of unbound. I thought it gave me like a sense of something was going to be free or um, loosened um, mm-hmm. was what I thought of when I read the title. Yeah, even the heading um, colors of gone, you know, relates to that as well. And you could see kids thinking about, you know, reading it a few times and thinking about what, what all those words mean in relation to the text. Yeah. I loved the um, inside title page, but the, it looks like photography of all the different mixed medias yes. um, and just the texture. And I felt that um, throughout the book, I was just, I get mesmerized. Collage is one of my favorite medias to look at and see and even have kids, you know, create with, but it just makes it like dimensional that I want to reach out and touch it even though it's flat on a page yeah the color choices are beautiful as well and I think that beginning really just ties with the ending of of her artwork it's amazing it's so amazing and to revisit it at the end after you know the story because I really knew nothing about um this was a life I I I was not aware of her at all so then to go back and look at that and to see that connection and back to the title, I just think it's brilliant when we can work with words like that, um, that have dual meanings and really can um, just provoke a lot of thinking about those meanings and how it applies to the li- her life. But see, the same was true with me. I didn't know anything about Judith Scott. And um, the start of the book was so interesting to me because um, I thought the book took such a strong turn a surprising turn, just not knowing anything about her. And, um, you know, I was, I, I think it's one of those books, like each kindness where you're shocked by what happens. And, um, I think that's, you know, important story for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, um, I think I really enjoyed the, like the entwined, you know, there's like yep. many sections within the book. And just that the relationship she shares and the connections with between the two sisters, between Judith and Joyce, um, I thought she spent a lot of time helping kids understand that and that just with everyday normal examples. And then she's gone. This with your your class, did you read it all, like the whole story all at once, or did you pause? 
did you do the, did you like share the, the back matter? Did you wait till the end of the story to share that? Did you share that ahead of time? Like how'd that go? Yeah, I read, I read it front to back with the kids just in the order that it went. Um, and they really, uh, the one page we had to read a couple of times is when, um, soon I will begin kindergarten and she's waving to her sister back in the house and it defines mom tries to enroll Judy in school, but she has special needs that keep her home. Judy, what will come to be known as, has what will become known as Down syndrome. She was born with an extra chromosome buried deep inside. The doctor said she would have learning disabilities and that her heart was not as strong as it should be. So it was just when we got to that page, we, we paused for a moment, but the kids really hung on to that in our discussion at the end of the story. And um, I think it was just such a clear, concise way to define Down syndrome. Um, and I think that relationship before, it helped them start processing. I think it helped them understand like the journey the story was going to take, you know, when she had to go to a different school, that it was right up front. And it's such a uh, great story for, um, you know, teaching, like you said, it, it made it clear what Down syndrome is, but just, um, you know, that the idea of neurodiversity and just how, um everyone's not the same and, um, you know, how we handled it in this story, but then how, you know, it gives them a good awareness of students they see and, um, other students in the school or siblings and, um, just starting to understand that idea that we're not the same and how can we accommodate and, um, you know, make them part of our lives rather than what happened to, um, what happened to her getting sent away. Right. I think, you know, we had a silent celebration when they came back together, you know, that Judith had gone off and um, was able to leave the the school she was in and come to California and live with Joyce many, many years later. After we read the story, we actually had to use the timeline from the back matter in the back of the book, and we had to figure out her age. And how much longer she lived than they had predicted that she, you know, she was able to live. But uh, I think that moment, and then we were very intrigued with the whole idea of the um, creative growth, the creative growth art studio, you know, where she was able to go and um, find her voice right through art. And I think that that sometimes can get lost in our day-to-day functions of teaching and the, what we have to do and the schedules and this and that, but voice and choice comes through, not just pencil and paper and our oral, you know, what we say. So um, it's just very inspirational for my students. Well, and I think you just hit on two, I think of the biggest things that struck me and maybe what Tammy was saying about being surprised was one that, um, the idea of, you know, sisterhood and bond and that so many years later, she did go get her sister. I mean, that page is just it, like, I wrote it down in my journals, one of the books that makes me cry in front of students. You know, there's some that do that. But then also <laughs> the second idea of, yes, there are opportunities and how can we express ourselves and how can we honor neurodiverse um, individuals and um, let them get their voice out in different ways. And, 
um, fascinating because I didn't, I didn't know about this artist, but then I didn't know about centers like that and how valuable that is. Um, so hugely educational for me, but for students as well. Um, I think kind of life-changing in a way to know that there's things like that. And place. You know, I think about pairing the book with um, all the way to the top. Do you know that book, how one girl's fight for Americans with disabilities changed everything. Oh, mm -hmm. about how I just want to pair those books in the classroom. Um, just so kids have a perspective of, you know, how life used to be and how people fought to make it different. I think um, <laughs> just an anti-bias work, I think would help kids to see that this just didn't happen without some work, you know, lots of fighting. That would be a good book to pair it with. I did, I didn't cry when I read it by myself, but when, let's see, when I was reading it with my students and we get to that surprising moment, I had to turn my head because their reaction, I mean, this one little boy was sitting on a stool, you know, a few feet from me and he really like was rubbing his eye. Like, they, they were just so in into that moment. I just had to turn my head. I was like, okay, just take a breath. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love it when books elicit that much emotion. You know, I love it when we're laughing together at a book, but I love it because I feel like those are just so impactful for ourselves, but for students to really... Um, internalize the messaging, you know, and kind of like Tammy's saying, you know, it, how it was and how we had to fight to change and using your voice and that we have power to change voices, but also it's important to honor um, people who are different than us and finding um, ways that work or centers or opportunities to help them live their best life as well. I think it's a, um, I just love when that emotion bubbles up like that. I think yeah. just for kids to know when they read something, you know, of this horrid, a tragedy of someone, um, for them to know there's things they can do and to read about, you know, another child who advocated. I just, I feel like that will be helpful. And how the sister looked out for the sister. I think that's just so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be sisterhood, you know, it could be classmates, but really that, you, um, even if you can't do something in the moment, she never lost it and went and took care of it when she could and did that research and did that extra work. And it's just, um, it's just so impactful. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Mm -hmm. I think the photograph of her actually in the back of the book, you know, cause once my kids got done, I mean, it's a beautiful photograph and then you know, it takes it from that collage mixed media to the reality right here in the book, you know, that it's a, I just thought the change to that photograph was also really impactful in their understanding of the story. Me and too. then the idea of tying the loose ends, there's so much, there's so much valuable information in the back of this book that we just kind of kept moving through it along the way, um, explaining the Creative Growth Studio. And we are lucky here in Columbus, Ohio, we have an open door studio, it's called. And my oldest daughter volunteered at that dur during college, but they create uh, paintings more, I think, in their environment. But we've gone to visit there and they have art shows and 
their paintings are sold within the community and things and they have people advocating for them. So uh, it's nice to know there are places like that. That's so great. And I agree with you. There's so much great information in the back that helps us as um, educators, you know, when presenting this um, to learn about it along with the students. And one thing we didn't talk much about yet are the illustrations. Um, Mm -hmm. Melissa Sweet is so magical with how she illustrates um, books. I love the beginning, how it's mostly drawn, you know, their childhood. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. she moves more into the collage as we get to the, um, as we get to her art, I just love it. So you can reach out as Mandy was saying, reach out and and feel like you can touch them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just noticed when I reread the illustrator note earlier today that she, in her research, she actually has art in there from people at the, um, art studio, which she went to California. Yeah. So yeah, because she met with the instructor who worked with um, Judith. And mm-hmm. so then she has art within her art, you know, incorporated into the, the story. If you have the book and or if you're going to pick up this book after listening to our podcast, I love the two-page spread that for years, Judy wraps and weaves creating fantastic cocoon-like shapes filled, shapes filled with color. She wraps her head in beautiful hats, scarves, and ribbons, becoming her own work of art. I just thought this page here, I think, added to the inspiration for my students to do, like, wanting to create their own art like Judith did. And that leads us into then a page where then one day she makes a new piece unlike any other small and black and all the colors are gone. Judy hands me her stack of beloved magazines. That just gives such a foreshadowing until the the sharing that Judith has passed away. And I was just so intrigued about reading that. I probably and um I mean how did she go from making such colorful pieces to then this black piece of art and, and shortly passing away because her heart, you know, couldn't work any longer as it did. Um, that was a hard page to read with my students because they were so entwined. And so when we finished the reading the book, that's when, you know, I had shared in the big fresh, they had to make their own art, you know, and I really think it was how they grieved in their own way and processed the story because they saw joy in the work that she was able to do. And they wanted to be, to do that, to be joyful and celebrate her a little bit. But what did you guys think when you read those few pages? I was just wondering how other people, what their thinking was. Well, it definitely stood out the same. um, As you said that, um, because you wonder, how did she know? How did she know this was the end of her um, art making and the end of her life. And I think that's always just one of those mysterious things, especially since she didn't have speech um, that we just, it's amazing that she knew and that she could express it and that it was her time, um, which is really emotional. Um, So definitely it was, it was a striking page for sure. I felt like the book started that way when 
I was surprised when there was a quick, abrupt change that she left her home. And then there was also this quick, abrupt, uh, horrid change when she died and passed on. And I felt like that's what made the book impactful that, you know, we don't know what's coming next. And, um, you know, and then I thought the author's note was also pretty upsetting that she was, you know, in, she was in this institution for 35 years. Um, and, you know, I thought those were impactful, you know, pieces of the book, a hard story, an important story, one that kids should know and think, you know, talk about. I think those pages were moving also. Um, I don't know if you got on to the creative growth um, website, but I went onto it and I think it's, it's, really neat website, but those images. So on the page where it says, um, and then she made a piece like any other, the small and black, um, the pictures above it, those are pictures that other artists had created. Cause I saw them, um, on the website. Cause you can go in and you can see different artists work. And so those were uh, really similar to some of the other artwork that was there, which is, kind of neat. I was sitting here thinking about how it's just like that, right? Um, they're all working individually and yet it's this collective, um, this place where they, they come together and there's this collective um, movement to something that's bigger than ourselves, which is, is so much, so often what art does. Um, so I thought that was an interesting arrangement on the page. That's so smart to go on the website. I want to go do that now. Me yeah. too. <laughs> it really cap- yeah. I think it really captures the spirit of the place. Now I've never been there, right? But mm-hmm. I just there's right. sometimes you can get on a website and I just think that website is done so well that it really truly captures the spirit um, of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go go around and um, take a minute to introduce yourself and just if you have a final thought or a final comment about Unbound. Um, I'm Bitsy Parks. I teach first grade in Beaverton, Oregon, just outside of Portland. And I, um, I guess my final thoughts are just, I'm so glad to have this book and to know it. I think these life stories are so important. And um, Judah Scott's in particular, that celebration of art and also recognizing that we all need different um, opportunities to get to be who we are and to express ourselves and really a celebration of art, um, I think is really important right now too. So I'm so glad to have this in my library. I'm Tammy Mulligan and I teach second grade um, in Massachusetts. And I also feel the same way about this book. I don't think I would have found it without Mandy bringing it up. So thank you. Each week in my classroom, I do something called meet someone new And um, in March, this will be someone I'm excited to introduce to the kids and someone very different than other people we've met. And so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Mandy Roback, I teach third grade in Olentangy Local Schools here in Central Ohio. And I just hope everybody's prepared for maybe a little side trip in your plans that day. And if you need to have some collage materials out, remember to say, why not? And just dive in or nudge the kids because it's just a, it was a joyful moment in processing the story. 
Mandy, I was really glad that you captured that moment in your classroom in words and shared it just as that lead. Um, I, I thought it was a powerful lead and a good question to ask uh, so often. Uh, my name is Ruth Ayers. I'm the editor at Choice Literacy, and I live in northern Indiana. Um, and I, I really enjoyed uh, the biography that this was. And it's not, it's not always a genre that I pick up. And so it just felt like such a treat. And Mandy, you were so excited about choosing it. So that just made me excited about reading it. And then just the depth of the story. I know when I write stories from my own life, I sometimes have trouble like trying to figure out what's my story to tell, what's somebody else's story to tell. And I just thought like the the depth and the breadth of this story was was really well done and can could truly be a mentor for some of the writing about some of the stories from our lives. Um, and I would encourage you to get on that website, the Creative Growth Center. Um, Mandy, I want you to know that Choice Literacy gave a donation to the Creative Growth um, Art Studio in your name for just as a thank you for your contribution and um, being our featured contributor this month. So that's kind of exciting too. Next month, we are reading The Proudest Blue. Um, I'm curious if it's a book that's already in your library or if it's one that you're, you're thinking, oh, I've always wanted to get, get that book. So, um, but that's what we're reading next month. At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.